We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. everyone, welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week five. We are sponsored by FanDuel. I am Scott Jensta, joined tonight, uh, as usual, by Vlad Sedler. If you could please rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, ratings and reviews are uh, very important for the podcast, so if you could take a few minutes, if you enjoy the podcast and do that, we would greatly appreciate that. You can find us on the Rotowire DFS podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe to that, you'll get us uh, automatically downloaded into your uh, whatever app you use for podcasts every week. Uh, heading to week five, uh, Vlad, how are you tonight? I'm excellent. Got the uh, New England-Tampa Bay game going, and I do have it on pause, so I beg you not to ruin uh, the, the Dwayne Allen three-touchdown game. Uh, I will do my best not to tell you about the 87-yard touchdown Dwayne Allen just had. <laughs> how uh, how'd, uh, how'd week four go go for you? I know I know we got hit hard a little bit there. Uh, you know, myself, I... I Got stung with a little bit uh, too much exposure to Julio Jones. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook got a touchdown in, you know, got du- low double digit points, but ending up uh, going down for the year, unfortunately. Um, I guess let's do a quick recap of week four. Yeah, I mean, one of my pet peeves is, uh, you know, uh, analysts and people who, who never say when they're wrong. And I was, uh, I had a rough week four. I'm going to own up to that and admit it. Uh, the first three weeks were really good. I had a lot of good calls. Uh, week four, I just missed some guys. Uh, Demarius Thomas hurt me a lot. I really liked him at the price. He was he was terrible. And then the injuries just stung. I managed to hit every injury. I had Julio Jones. I had Mariota on a big team. Um, I had Dalvin Cook. He did play some and had like 12 points. But, uh, you know, he's out for the year. So uh, a little bit of injuries, but, uh, you know, just some bad calls too. And that, that happens. You know, that's why DFS, you got you to gotta clean the slate and play the next week. But uh, week four was a bit of a rough one. 
I heard from a couple people who uh, who had some had some plays that uh, that I had that didn't go well. But uh, you know, I think the first three weeks uh, was really good. So uh, you know, a, a bad one here and there happens, but uh, hopefully a, a good impetus to uh, to have a strong week five. Yeah, and for the most part, uh, I did all right on uh, the non-FanDuel sites, uh, but it was my first week not cashing on my FanDuel lineups uh, for cash games. Uh, wanted to have some exposure to Antonio Brown somewhere, uh, and so I ended up uh, you know, getting him in with uh, Mixon I- instead of uh, just playing A.J. Green and sort of going with the flow. Obviously, he had a bad game, so... Um, all around, not a great week, so look forward to week five. Yeah, and, I mean, and Mixon, you know, the, the thing we liked about him was the touches were increasing. He played a lot. He had a lot of touches, just didn't do anything with them. So, uh, you know, sometimes you can you can analyze it uh, and, and get what the situation's doing, but sometimes it just doesn't work, and uh, you just got to stick with it. Exactly. Uh, week five is our first week with some uh, with some buy, uh, some teams on buys. We have some bye weeks this week. The Falcons, Broncos, Saints, and Redskins are on buys. So actually, some some big offensive teams. So we will we'll miss seeing uh, some of those guys in our lineup. Uh, you know, first quarter of the year is done. We're through uh, we through four weeks. I think now we get to the point where you can really kind of break stuff down. It's really hard to do the first couple weeks. You don't really know who teams are yet. I think we're starting to get a little bit of formulation of you know, who teams are, uh, what they do well, what they don't do well, um, what guys are going to have good years and bad years, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I just wanted to point out that um, actually it's Todd Gurley, not Kareem Hunt, who's actually the top running back so far this year, just based on raw points. Uh, you know, mostly just because of that extra touchdown that he has over Hunt and involvement in the pass game. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of weird to say, but his next two games are actually uh, lining up as, as pretty good matchups here with Seattle and Jacksonville. Not two teams that um, you know have that bad of a history against the run, but so far this year, um, teams have been able to run all over them. They're bottom five in, in DVOA uh, run defense. So um, you know, that's just one thing I wanted to point out. Uh, I do think we'll start seeing the Lev Bells and McCoys and Zeeks of the world, so long as Zeke's uh, suspension isn't upheld. Um, you know, sort of jump in into that top group. Uh, we'll probably see Lev Bell uh, flirt with the, the, the 10,000 salary mark uh, if he performs like we expect him to this week at Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny watching Gurley. I mean, our, our whole thing last year was that they, you just wouldn't get him involved, wouldn't get the ball in space, and, and, and McVay is doing that to a huge degree. I mean, they're, they're kind of using him like Arizona used David Johnson last year. It's wild, his usage rates. Yeah, and on the wide receiver side, uh, Stefan Diggs is just incredibly impressive, uh, really making a splash. Number one in, in uh, wide receiver points through this year. Would not be shocked to see him top five uh, as a top five receiver on the year. Obviously, we'd like to have Sam Bradford back, especially if you're a Vikings fan. And uh, he's, you know, for people that got in on the Thursday slate, you can get a little bit of action uh, to get him into your lineup because they are playing Monday, uh, th- this Monday night against the Bears. Yeah, that's uh, not quite the barn burner on a Monday night that that, that you hope for, for for the Monday night hammer. But uh, you know, Stefan Diggs has been so good; he could he could work really well. And and just a final point up, uh, sort of how disappointing the tight ends have been. I mean, I don't think anyone is really that surprised uh, what a wasteland it's been. But you know, you got Gronk now; he, he missed the Thursday game. You, essentially, it's Ertz, Kelsey, and Clay, uh, and then a big drop off to everybody else. I mean, you know, Jimmy Graham and Hunter Henry are two notables guys that were taken you know within the top 100 overall picks in season long leagues really disappointing and and it's really come to that point where people are either having to pay up for a, a Kelsey and Ertz or, or Gronk when he's in uh, or just shooting fish in a barrel among the mi- minimum salary guys 
Yeah, and we, we, we see tonight the, the issue that it is with uh, with drafting Gronk early. He's always going to miss a couple games, and this one was kind of surprising. You know, he was he was questionable all week, and it kind of seemed like he was going to play, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, about uh, about 2 o'clock this afternoon, Adam Schefter posted that he wasn't going to play, and uh, that's, that's the risk with Gronk is that uh, these little things uh, kind of linger with him sometimes. Yeah, and I think uh, that is the perfect segue because we have some tight ends to talk about today, uh, starting with the Jets and the Cleveland Browns. It's a game with uh, the the Browns actually slightly under two-point favorites uh, at home with a low total currently at 39. Um, What do you like in this game, Scott? Um, I don't like a ton. You know, it's, it's hard to find too much stuff you like in a, in a 39 over-under. But uh, some interesting guys. Uh, Belial Powell's the first guy that jumps off. He's, he's 6600 bucks on FanDuel. Played 68% of the snaps last week, and he went off. He had 21 carries for 163 yards. Now, he did have one 70-yard play where he slipped and fell, and the Jags D gave up thinking he was down, and then he got up and ran. But we still, you know, 20 carries for 88 yards, even if you take that out. So a pretty good day either way. Um, he tends to do really well when Matt Forte is not playing. Forte has turf toe right now. Uh, but the Cleveland run D has been pretty good. They really, they really held Joe Mixon well last week. They're only allowing 3.01 yards per carry. Um, so I'm kind of, uh, kind of on the fence on Powell. I don't think I'm going to play him too many spots, but uh, he's starting to emerge a little bit to, and be the guy that we hoped uh, he was, he was going to be when we drafted him. And it, yeah, and his price rose a little bit. Um, I do see him more of a GPP type of play. Uh, I think for cash games, we can consider uh, Duke Johnson and also Austin Safarian Jenkins for the Jets. Uh, you know, for Cleveland, honestly, Duke Johnson is really the only guy that I'm interested in. Uh, he caught nine of ten targets last week, found the end zone in each of his last two games, and basically has become uh, Kaiser's most effective weapon and is doing it all as a pass catcher despite only having six rush attempts over his last two games. Uh, you know, over there in Cleveland, Kenny Britt's dealing with a knee injury, awful 34% catch rate. Uh, Higgins has disappeared altogether after his big game two weeks ago. And uh, Hugh Jackson promises to get Crowell more involved. He's been a real bust and just not somebody we can trust, um, you know, over there at the running back position. Um, and then as far as the Jets are concerned, uh, there are a few spots that I'm interested in, uh, namely uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, who the more I read as the week goes on is going to be rather popular, if uh, if not the most uh, highly priced tight end. Um, he was promised more snaps last week. Uh, he was on the field for 77 percent of them in week four. He caught all four of his targets for a modest, you know, 46 yards. Uh, but I think his usage is going to start to, to grow in this offense um, going uh, at 5,500 on FanDuel against one of the most inept defenses against the tight end in the Browns, who are actually allowing the second most FanDuel points per game to opposing opposing tight ends uh, with 16.1. So um, ASJ is someone I'm interested in. You've got, you know, Josh McCown, who's, you know, dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury this week. Um, not really much of a deep thrower as is. I think only a little over 10% of his passes this year have gone for over 15 yards. Uh, and so it's just kind of a formula that I think really fits in well, um, you know, pairing him with Austin Severian Jenkins and not overthinking the chalk in this one. Yeah, my issue uh, on the on the Duke Johnson point is I think that he usually racks up those catches when they're trailing, which they do often. I don't think this is a really good game script game for him. I think it's going to be kind of a, a close, low-scoring game. And without kind of needing him as that check-down guy, I don't like him as much as I like him in most weeks. So uh, not someone I'm playing this week uh, in a game where Cleveland is actually favored. Um, you know, usually they're, usually they're, they're down three touchdowns and they, and they drop it off to him. You mentioned Safarian Jenkins. I think he's going to be too popular. I just uh, I just don't see it. He's 5,500, so he's not that cheap. Has 10 targets the last two weeks. Like you said, 46 yards. Um, Cleveland did give up uh, 68 yards to, to Tyler Croft last week and two touchdowns. But 
I think Severian Jenkins is going to be over-owned by people. I don't think he's dynamic. I don't think he has a lot of upside. I think he's an okay floor guy in a, in a cheap, uh, you know, full-point GPP type thing. But uh, Severian Jenkins is not someone I'm going to have uh, compared to the masses in FanDuel. Fair enough. What about uh, the defenses? Any of these these uh, defenses intrigue you today? Uh, really like the Jets D. If you if you want to go cheap somewhere, I think at forty three hundred the Jets D is really interesting. Um, they had four sacks and four interceptions the last two weeks, only allowed twenty six points total, and mostly Deshaun Kaiser is just a turnover machine. He's really struggling. Um, you know, he makes some a few splash plays, and people kind of like that, but. If you look at his overall numbers, he's completing 51% of his passes, which is brutal. He's given he's uh, he's been sacked 11 times, thrown seven interceptions, he's fumbled twice. You know, he's 10 of 34 on balls over 15 yards, so just not doing a lot down the field. He's definitely a pass for me, but I like the Jets defense in a game that should be close. I think Kaiser makes a couple of mistakes uh, late and you know, the Jets have an opportunity to turn those into big plays. Yeah, I'm on board with you with the Jets defense. I actually picked him up in a couple of my NFFC leagues. Uh, the Jets did get Muhammad Wilkerson back last week. And uh, yeah, I mean, things, this defense is good. Nice, cheap streamer uh, going up against Deshaun Kaiser, who leads the the world basically in interceptions right now. Yeah, you know, Isaiah Crowell hasn't topped 44 yards rushing yet in the season. Has zero touchdowns. Yes, and I would bet that ah. he is over 40, 44 yards easy this week. So uh, anyone out there want to throw a wager, let's do it. Yeah, he only played 35% of the snaps last week, only at eight touches. Uh, I think that, you know, Hugh mentioned he's going to get in the ball more, but uh, I got to see it once first before before I do it. I, I'm not in on Crowell this week. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, what's next on our slate? Uh, next, we have a, a more interesting game. We get off the uh, get off the Jets and Browns, luckily. Uh, we have the Carolina Panthers heading to Detroit. Kind of an interesting game. Um, both teams have had some some good moments already this year. Uh, Detroit's favored by three, over under of 44. Um, starting with Carolina, um, Cam Newton obviously was a, a topic of much discussion on this podcast last couple of weeks. He's been struggling. Uh, massive game against the Patriots. Three touchdowns passing, 313 yards. 44 yards rushing, which is really important. If he's running the ball, he suddenly becomes dynamic again. Had a rushing touchdown. Uh, do you think Cam is back? Obviously, Detroit defense is nasty, especially the secondary. But um, are you back on board with Cam kind of moving forward? Is this is one game enough to show you something? Uh, no, it was that specific game. I mean, everything. It was the perfect matchup. Um, you know, yes, he's a little bit closer to full health. But uh, to me, in this matchup uh, against the Lions, I'm simply not interested in touching Cam. And to be honest, I'm not particularly interested in this game for DFS purposes altogether. Uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about two top 10 defenses. Don't love the quarterback in either of these games. Uh, Stafford hasn't been particularly sharp either. Just one touchdown in his last two games. Doesn't have a 300-yard uh, game yet. Um, you know, Kenny Galladay isn't playing. We'll probably see a little bit of TJ Jones. Golden Tate's got a matchup with uh, old school Mr. Captain Munerlin. Uh, <laughs> and the same thing, you know, McCaffrey. uh I don't necessarily think this is a, an amazing matchup for him. I think he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, still looking for his first touchdown, right? He is. Uh, I think my favorite guy in this game is actually Golden Tate at 6,700. Um, Carolina gave up two touchdowns to wide receivers last week. Chris Hogan and Danny, and Danny Amendola scored. And the week before, they gave up three touchdowns. Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, and Brandon Coleman scored. Um, I like uh, I like Golden Tate to, uh, to, make, to, to make a big play in this game, have a good game. He was quiet last week, only five targets. Uh, I like receivers off quiet quiet games especially in the target uh, target side of that he was only three catches for 29 yards I think Stafford makes sure to get him the ball they're gonna have to score I think Carolina's gonna score a little bit too so it's gonna be an interesting game uh Tate's probably my favorite guy what about uh, your dude Devin Funches for Carolina really coming on he is uh you know had a, a, a 
what was it, seven or so, uh, you know, targets in the last game. Um, you know, he. I think Darius Slay, who is one of the better defenders in the league, is going to play uh, a, a little bit more on Funchess's side. I don't think we're really going to see him, uh, you know, uh, shadow Calvin Benjamin in this one. Uh, either way, on the other side of, uh, of that defense, Nevin Lawson is no slouch either. Um, I simply it, don't see a lot of upside with uh, with these wide receivers on Carolina. Sure, someone can you know, can get in the box here. But, uh, you know, with a total of 44, I'm guessing that we're probably going to see a 23-20, uh, 20-17 type of outing. Yeah, I mean, Funches is interesting uh, in a cash game kind of floor guy. Played 90% of the snaps last week, 19 targets the last two weeks. So I think he'll be okay, but never someone that uh, I like for a GPP, even at the price. He's just not super dynamic. I know he had the big game against New England, but, you know, that is New England and their defense. Um, Funches for me is only only a full point PPR kind of cash game safe floor kind of guy. Yeah, next up, I believe we have one of my favorite games on the slate uh, this week. Surprisingly, you, you, lo- you this, love this game. I don't know what it is. It just stuck out to me on a Monday when I was first looking. It's uh, the Indianapolis Colts at home uh, against the San Francisco 49ers and uh, an over under of 43 and a half. Last we checked, Colts favored by a point and a half. Uh, any interest for you in this one? there is i take it you like the over in this game right i do i do indeed Um, it seems a little bit low for these defenses exactly and i'm going to want some exposure to these guys you know mostly in gpps um you know i just think san francisco style of play and uh you know that sort of you know picks up the pace they are one of the highest pace teams in the league uh with indy's uh funnel ish type defense uh you know, given that they have a strong run defense and allows, you know, they allow a lot of big plays, uh, you know, via the pass makes me think this will be a high paced game. And just want to point out that uh, funnel is, is not one of your favorite words. Uh, I, uh, I, I tend to not like uh, li- li- like hipster uh, DFS terms, as, uh, as, <laughs> as people will probably see. I like uh, I like old school regular football terms. So uh, funnel defense will not be coming out of my mouth uh, after that one usage right there. Um, so what uh, what do you like on the 49ers then? They kind of uh, they kind of spread it around. I mean, my favorite play on the Niners this week is Carlos Hyde. Only 7,200. Uh, the Colts gave up 5.9 yards per carry to uh, Chris Carson, Eddie Lacy, and your boy McKissick last week. Uh, they only gave up 3.4 on the year, but I think uh, Seattle kind of uh, showed that you can run the ball on them. Uh, Hyde's just so heavily used. Uh, used in the passing game, which they didn't use him enough last year. 22 targets so far in four games. Nice game script, too. You know, it, it's it's scheduled to be a close game. Over-under is kind of middling. But uh, when you get a close game, I think Carlos Hyde just touches the ball a lot. And 7,200 uh, in that dome against that defense, um, something I'm very interested in. Absolutely. And I think we're going to see uh, sort of uh, perhaps a little bit of muted uh, ownership in this one. People are going to be a little afraid uh, against this indie stout run defense. And there are a lot of uh, more expensive options. So to get in a second running back at FanDuel at a Hyde's price might be a little difficult. Uh, I think you might see people paying down a little bit for RB2. Uh, but obviously Hyde's a workhorse, one of the most evasive most productive running backs in the league, um, obviously heavy, heavily used. Um, but I like a lot of pieces of this side. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to stack this game. That's for sure. I'm willing to take a shot on Hoyer in some GPPs. I'm not too scared with Garcon being covered by Vonte Davis. And I still think he gets some, his targets. Uh, a guy that's been getting a lot of love this week is Aldrick Robinson. Uh, yep. you know, for, for the Falcons, uh, dirt cheap, Marquise Goodwin uh, did participate in practice. He probably is going to be back. But Aldrick Robinson did see a whopping 12 targets last week. Um, he did only catch three of them. But I do think it's a nice matchup for him against uh, uh, cornerback Rashawn Melvin. 
and he's at near minimum salary at 4,600. So, you know, a lot of noise with him in the industry. Um, my one sneaky play guy is actually uh, Trent Taylor in this one, who um, you know I, I think saw some uh, you know a higher percentage of snaps. He's playing the slot for them. Um, he's one of those millie maker type of plays uh, that I would consider as well. So um, a lot of interest here on San Francisco side. Yeah, the Robinson one's really intriguing. You know, last week uh, Garcon was matched up against Patrick Peterson, and they kind of went away from him and went to Aldrick Robinson the twelve targets. And it's kind of a similar similar setup with uh, with Vontae Davis, kind of the uh, you know the the quote unquote shutdown corner on one side, and, and maybe they go away from him. Uh, with Hoyer, he's sixty five hundred. I just uh, it's hard for me to take a quarterback. I just don't know if he has enough weapons. He has. He's played four games. He has three of those games are under 10 FanDuel points. He had the one big game against the Rams, but he's been so bad in the other three games. I just don't know if I could do that. Maybe on a GPP flyer, kind of on a on a stack team where you try and get two big running backs in and you save money at quarterback. But he's not going to be uh, – he won't be a core play for me in any way. Um, I think Hyde and Aldrick Robinson are kind of the two guys that I'll be playing a lot of on the 49ers. And that's the difficult part about uh, you know about about Fanduel this week because you can literally get Aaron Rodgers, uh, Jordy Nelson, and Le'Veon Bell into your lineup and fit pieces around it. And I think that's the way that a lot of people are going to go in cash games. So unless you're just throwing something into that Sunday million where you're you know putting in 50 entries or 20 entries, um, I think at that point you want to have some exposure to some of those cheaper quarterbacks. And there are actually a few options. I think another one of them is actually Jacoby Brissett. Uh, somebody that I'm streaming this week in some of my season longs. Um, he's had some tough matchups this year, but his last good one uh, was against Cleveland where he threw a touchdown and uh, ran two in him himself. Uh, I really like his scramble ability and opportunity to provide us those, you know, basically those extra points with his legs. He comes in as the 17th priciest quarterback at 7,000, uh, right around options like Eli Manning, who I think will, will uh, you know, obviously garner more percentage, as well as Josh McCown. You'll see some ownership there as well. And so I'd like to really pair him up with Hilton in this one. Um, you know, he Hilton's going to be up against uh, Richard Robinson, um, who, as you know, as a, as a Niners fan, is not a good cornerback. Probably going to see not, He is not a good cornerback. <laughs> uh, and another guy, Kawan Williams, in the slot, who I think Hilton will see a little bit in the slot as well. Uh, you know, per, per uh, Pro Football Focus, he's allowing uh, 0.4 fantasy points per route run against him this year and so really good opportunity for him there um you know the Niners have allowed the ninth most receiving yards so far this year and the fifth most uh, uh touchdowns to opposing pass catchers so um somebody I'm interested in here for, uh, for sure on the Indy side Brissett and Hilton are you taking any sort of stroll down your favorite uh, neighborhood narrative street with Frank Gore uh, I'm considering it. Uh, I definitely want to have a little bit of exposure. Um, not too heavy. He is in the past game. Uh, but it's worth noting, obviously, like you said, this is one of these uh, revenge game scenarios. Um, obviously, it'd be nicer if it was in San Francisco. Um, I don't really play that card too much. Uh, obviously, other things have to line up for it. Uh, but I did just want to note that, in, that uh, you know, uh, you know, Indy has the highest percentage of pass play of uh, of run plays in the red zone. And so. Um, you know, you're going to see, uh, you know, Gore get the rock. Uh, he's only averaging 3.1 yards a carry. Um, hasn't been too stout, but I think we'll probably see his best performance uh, of the season on Sunday. Yeah, Ryan Kelly is back, uh, likely back for their offensive line, which is pretty significant, uh, pretty pretty solid offensive lineman. 
I just, uh, you know, the 49ers kind of have kind of revamped that defensive line. DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas are really coming on. Um, just not a team I really want to focus on, uh, you know, an average runner like Gore. I mean, I love Frank Gore, one of my favorite players ever. But, uh, you know, he's 34. He's on the he's on the backside for sure. Only seven targets all year. I wish he was a little more involved in the pa- in the passing game. Hasn't topped 60 rush yards. Uh, I think I'm staying away from Narrative Street on this one. I think he might score, but I don't think he has much chance to, uh, to really go off. Um... You know what's crazy is uh, what's happened to your boy Dante Moncrief? Less snaps than Kamar Aiken last week. It's uh, talk about a downhill slide for Moncrief. who's was a guy that was super hyped a year ago. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And he was uh, falling down the uh, the ADP lists in season long leagues this summer very quickly. Once people were starting to realize that luck uh, wasn't going to be in the picture earlier in the year, uh, just you know, got his one touchdown last week. Um, uh, just not getting the targets. Uh, he did have eight targets in week two, but besides that, uh, you know, just three, three, and four over the last other three games. Um, really sort of hit or miss. The only positive here, uh, obviously, you know, other than the game itself, is the fact that he's fifty one hundred. So he's dirt cheap. Um, not somebody I'm targeting if I'm playing my my basic, uh, you know, three main lineups. Uh, but someone I would consider if I'm stacking this game. All right, so you uh, you clearly love that game. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, the Tennessee Titans off their um, butt whooping by the uh, Houston Texans traveled down to Miami. Tennessee right now is favored by two and a half. There's no over under set yet because of the uh, status of Marcus Mariota. He's questionable with a hamstring injury. Um, I think if Mariota's in play, Tennessee's just kind of a full fade for me. Uh, Matt Castle's yep. not good. Um, my my concern with Mariota too with the hamstring is he's not going to run, so that's such a big part of his value. And I'm, I'm interested in him either. Demarco Murray and Derrick Henry just share so many carries. Uh, the Dolphins' run D's been really good. The only guy with a, a little bit of interest for me is Delaney Walker. Um, pretty pretty solid uh, tight end. Been over 50 yards three or four weeks. Hasn't scored yet, but I think I'd need Mariota play to to even go there. Yeah, I'm really not interested in anything on the Tennessee side. Uh, you know, a little love for Matt Castle because I did babysit him and my brother once uh, when they were younger. Uh, he was a little league star here in in, uh, in in the San Fernando Valley in Southern California, but obviously not a really good quarterback. And you know, I'm going to get my name drops in where I can. Um, uh, I, I knew but, that. Uh, I knew know, that. I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, only guys I perhaps considered are Richard Matthews and Delaney Walker, but really nothing more than GPP plays. Um, you know. Uh, on the Miami side, uh, call me crazy, uh, call me absolutely out of my freaking mind, but I'm actually considering smoking Jay Cutler at just 6,700. Uh, you know, the Dolphins, they've had a really rough go of it over the past month. Had the hurricane to start the season, followed by two road games, and the brutal London game. Uh, and the Titans secondary just been getting absolutely thrashed, as we saw with Houston, putting up seven, you know, 50, this 57 spot on them last week. And they're tied with the Patriots with 11 pass TDs allowed, which is the worst mark of the game. This doesn't include what may be happening during the game now that I'm not watching. Oh, um, you just missed so you, I, missed, you just missed two 90-yard touchdowns by the Buccaneers. Oh, that sounds good. If it's to Adam <laughs> Humphreys, we're good. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, they were. Yeah. <laughs> I love both Parker and Landry in this one. Um, I, I, I definitely want to have um, some, some um, you know, a little bit of action here. Uh, the only thing is I'm afraid of this game, you know, getting a little bit out of hand if it is Castle there. Um, you know, Landry probably the better bet for the full PPR sites given his crazy target volume. But to me, um, like hands down the, the strongest, uh, you know, points per dollar guy for me is Devontae Parker at 6,100. For me, is just an absolute freebie. So I'm going to have... Parker on my main cash lineups, probably have him in a lot of GPPs. Well, that's no fun because Parker's my favorite wide receiver play of the week. Uh, 
That's good. Hey, if we're on the same page on something, it's going to be either really good or really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, you look at the Tennessee pass team. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was 10 for 101, 107 in a touchdown last week. Doug Baldwin, 10 for 105 in a touchdown week three. Alan Hearns, of all people, 6 for 82 in a touchdown in week two. And Cutler just feeds Parker. He has 38% of their receiving yards, the second highest rate of anybody in the league, uh, right behind Antonio Brown for most percentage of receiving yards on a team. He's averaging nine targets a game. He's at eight, nine, and ten, so really consistently high targets. The Titans have given up eight wide receiver touchdowns already. Um, I can't believe Devontae Parker's only 6,100. I thought he'd be like 71, 7,200. Um, I love him. I'm hoping he's not too high percentage. Uh, if he is, that happens. But uh, love Devontae Parker this week, both in cash and GPP also. Sounds good. Sounds like we're on the same page there. Uh, before we move on to the next game, a quick read from our sponsor, FanDuel. FanDuel, fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. You have no busted seasons. Those of you who took David Johnson, jump in now. You get to play all new all over again. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Um, always a lot of fun. There's a bunch of different slates you can play. You can play the the Sunday night, Monday night slate if uh, if you uh, want some action in those late games. It's uh, it's a really fun setup. You could play the you could play the Monday night, Thursday night slate also if you wanted to do that. There are two and a half million players who have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com/rw. You will get a free six month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million dollars in cash prizes. With your first deposit on FanDuel, just visit FanDuel.com/rw and of course void where prohibited. Uh, moving on to a game that has a lower over/under than the Jets-Browns, which I did not think was humanly possible. We have the Buffalo Bills, who are playing really well, going to Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's fared by three, like I said, over/under of 38. Starting on the visiting team side, uh, the Bills. LaShawn McCoy, 8,200. Um, where do you follow McCoy this week? I kind of have some mixed feelings on him. Uh, yes, I always I always love to try to find a reason to play LaShawn McCoy. Uh, did not get into the end zone last week like, uh, like I had uh, expected him to. Uh, he's always in consideration, but at 8,200 and with Le'Veon Bell uh, priced, uh, you know, obviously a little bit higher than that, 9,500, it, it's really tough for me to figure out a way to come off of that, especially with um, – you know, Todd Gurley priced a little bit under him as well at 7,800. You know, for Cincinnati, you've got Vontae's Perfect is back. Uh, you know, this is going to be one of those uh, grind him out type of games. So I think McCoy will obviously be heavily involved. I think for Buffalo, they're going to really want to see uh, Zay Jones step up. The rookie has been absolutely off the map. And now that Jordan Matthews is out with that uh, broken finger for the next month, um, you know, we're going to need somebody to step up here besides uh, Charles Clay and McCoy. And uh, it's unfortunately, it's a tough spot for Zay Jones. He's going to get that Pac-Man Jones coverage. Uh, and, you know, on the Cincinnati side, um, I think you're probably going to see a lot of the sharp money, you know, continue to come in on the Bengals. People are probably thinking that the bills are a little, little overrated. Um, but, you know, I think this will be a, a very close competitive game. Um, just nobody that really pops out to me, you know, like I, I don't want any mix in, uh, you know, AJ green is not somebody that pops out at the top of my list, even though I know that he can burn, uh, the, 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 the cornerbacks out there in Buffalo or against the bills. But, you know, with Dez and Jordy, um, the guys on with the highest over under on the slate, uh, you know, getting a lot of that action, you know, people could pivot to AJ green, but, um, I just don't necessarily see it being one of those, you know, 180 two touchdown type of games for him. 
Yeah, my thing with McCoy is he's just been ugly since week one. 46 carries for 106 yards since week one when he, he was really good week one. But since then, 2.3 yards per carry. Just facing a lot of guys in the box. You know, they're making Tyrod Taylor throw the ball. He really has Charles Clay and no one else, kind of like you mentioned. Uh, the Bengals' run D has been good since week one. They kind of got thrashed by Baltimore week one. But since then, you know, they held Isaiah Corral 20 yards. They held Ty Montgomery to 35 yards rushing. Lamar Miller was 18 for 61 on him. Um, you, the thing with McCoy that I do like, though, so all that negative, the thing I do like is I think uh, if they get down or they need to catch up, he, he's getting a lot of targets. He has 23 targets in four weeks, and Cincinnati's really been struggling against uh, running backs catching the ball. Um, Duke Johnson had nine catches last week. We mentioned him earlier. Ty Montgomery had eight the week before. So in a full-point PPR, LaShawn McCoy might be kind of sneaky. I don't think anyone's going to be on him in, a, in an over-under with 38 but uh, there's a chance he catches six, seven balls, especially if they get behind. So if you're building three Fanduel lineups this week, uh, would McCoy crack that third lineup for you? I don't, would he be a consideration? I, don't, I don't think so in a half-point PPR because I think the way he gets his upside is through the catches. I, just, I have a hard time seeing him running for a lot, just the way that the defenses are playing the Bills right now. Um, I don't think at 8,200 I have him. I was hoping the price was going to drop a little more. Uh, I don't think I'll have a lot of shady in Fanduel. Yeah, fair enough. And it's, you know, he, he's overdue for, for one of those two touchdown games. Um, he, he's going to score one of these days. He could end up being a, a play on a winning uh, tournament team. But I think there's just too many good options for me to really consider it unless I'm building multiple lineups. I think you mentioned Joe Mixon. I think he's a uh, I think he's a GPP flyer again. I know he struggled last week, but um, since the offense court, new offense court, uh, laser took over. Uh, he has 42 touches, and the, the Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard have 25 total between them. He's making a concerted effort to get the ball to Mixon. He thinks Mixon's the playmaker. It hasn't happened yet, but uh, I tell you what, the price is uh, only 5900 The ownership is going to be low. A lot of touches is something I like for a super talented guy. I think I might toss him in in a couple lineups where I need a, a really cheap running back, too. He's a high-risk guy, but I think there's going to be a high reward. I don't know if it's going to be this week or next week or the week after, but it's going to be one of those weeks he's going he's gonna to bust big. Yeah, I mean, my only concern there, of course, is Buffalo very stout against the run. Absolutely. Uh, you did mention that he uh, is is more involved. He did have 17 rushes last week, only for, you know, the, the paltry 29 yards, as you mentioned. But, uh, you know, involved in, in the passing game, seven catches over the last two weeks, caught all seven of his targets. Price strangely went up after last week's game. So he jumped up from 5,600 to 5,900. Nobody's going to be on him. Uh, so in that for, for that respect alone, he could be a little bit sneaky. Moving on to an interesting game, uh, the Chargers at the Giants. I don't think anybody thought these two teams would be a combined 0-8 uh, facing off in Week 5. Um, the Chargers are an underdog in this game. The Giants are fared by 3.5 at home, over under a 44.5. Feels like one of those games that uh, you know two desperate teams could get into a, a little bit of a shootout. I know the Giants' pasty is tough, but uh, how do you see this game uh, going? Anybody, uh, anybody on the Chargers side you really like? I, I think the only way that this game could be settled uh, is in a tie. This game needs to end up in a in a in a, in a sixteen sixteen tie. That it'd just be a beautiful. And, uh, and only with only with the Chargers uh, blowing it late to turn it into a tie too. The only way, the absolute <laughs> only way. Uh, yeah, on the Chargers side, obviously you've got Keenan Allen. He's a beast. He's one of my favorite all around wide receivers. Somebody like I would consider in almost any matchup. Uh, you know, especially in uh, for cash game lineups, as always, price is starting to rise. Um, don't necessarily love his upside in this one with uh, D- Dominique Rogers. Carmarty is going to be, uh, you know, on him pretty hard, I think, in this one. Uh, Giants D has played played well overall, but they've allowed seven pass touchdowns through the first four games. No interceptions as of yet. 
And the Chargers, they're still without Jason Verrett. Uh, Casey Hayward hasn't really ramped up to his, I guess, his usual Casey Haywardness. And, uh, you know, the, the Chargers past he ranks as a top 6D so far. They're allowing under 200 yards per game, um, but they haven't really faced a top 10 passing offense yet. So uh, I'm not really sold uh, or convinced one way or the other on how this game might go. Um, the spot I'm most interested in is the tight end against the Giants. And I wish they only had one, um, but... I mean, it's the it, it's a incredibly productive uh, a spot because the Giants simply don't cover them. Um, you've got a guy in Hunter Henry who's put up a couple of goose eggs this this, this year. I mean, literally no points, no yep. targets, nothing. Um, but I'd con- I'm considering him here for uh, for fifty two hundred. Yeah, I am too. I mean, you look at the we talked about the Giants being bad against tight ends last week, and then Cameron Brake goes four for eighty and a touchdown. OJ Howard goes two for sixty three and a touchdown. So they just got worse against tight ends. Um, yeah, it's tough. Um, Hunter Henry's kind of the guy and he's got some upside against that defense, but just so hard to trust him. He's been super quiet in three or four games. He did have a touchdown last week, but only on two catches. Um, he had the one seven catch for 80 yard game. But then, like you said, the two goose eggs, um, it's just so hard to trust him the way that they play with him and Gates. I, uh, I wish I could be more confident on the way they use him because I, I love the matchup. Yeah, and then you also have got Antonio Gates, uh, you know, the burly veteran who is forty six hundred, um, dirt cheap. Just again, really, really hard to use. Uh, but some someone's going to do some damage in this game uh, between Henry, Henry and Gates. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention, and it's not necessarily uh, valuable to us here for DFS, but you and I talked about it um, only because our, uh, our our buddy Matt Modica. Um, who I'm sharing an NFFC uh, primetime team with, uh, the guy loves Austin Eckler. Um, you know, just somebody I'm starting to take a look at a little bit more. Um, Somebody that I I, uh, am mentioning because, um, you know, he's an undrafted walk-on. His role is slowly growing in that that offense, I think. And he's primarily used as a kick returner, but he's seeing some slight snaps on offense. Caught a beautiful 35-yarder last week. Uh, Brandon Oliver's questionable this week with a hamstring injury. Melvin Gordon isn't at full strength. Um, Do you see this guy, not particularly this week, or somebody that'll come into DFS fruition, like somewhat of a woodhead role, or is there nothing here? The pride of Western State, Austin Eckler. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously not a DFS play quite yet, but, uh, you know, from what I've seen, looks pretty talented. He's a small guy. He's only 5'10", but, you know, 201 pounds, so he might be small height-wise, but not, uh, not small in weight, so... Uh, I'd have to see a little bit more. I don't know uh, how good of a pass catcher he is. You know, comparing him to Woodhead is tough because Woodhead's so good out of the backfield. Um, definitely got to see to put an eye on if you play in a season long league. Uh, probably makes sense to put a little bit of a little bit of a, a fab bid on him. Um, on the same on the same token, you know, what about Melvin Gordon, who he is now backing up? Um, he looked awful last week. Ten carries for twenty yards against the Eagles. Obviously dealing with the bruised knee, but he's only averaging three point one car- uh, yards per carry on the season. Kind of only lives, uh, only does well when he lives off the touchdowns. The offensive line is hurting him. He's getting hit in the backfield pretty often. Running backs have been good against the Giants, though. I mean, uh, Zeke was 24 for 104. Quiz Rogers was 16 for 83 last week. LeGarrette Blunt did well. Wendell Smallwood did well. Amir Abdullah did well. Almost everybody they faced has done pretty well. Uh, they stopped the pass well, but not the run. Uh, he complained this week about getting the ball. Any interest in Melvin Gordon now that his price has dropped to 7,100? I'm intrigued. Absolutely. That's that's the key component there is that is that price drop and the fact that he is, uh, you know, he's he is their workhorse guy, uh, you know, not somebody that I would necessarily use in cash. Um, I think you might see a few uh, a few sharp folks go that route for me. Uh, I simply can't trust him in that scenario 
uh, for tournaments. I, I think he's absolutely a, uh, somebody that we can consider and play, uh, especially if we're going to see him be a part of the pass game like uh, like he has been in the past and as he was last year. Yeah, I think he might fly under the radar this week. I don't think he's going to be a high percentage. I think people have been burned by him recently. I think people are going to kind of scroll right by him. They're going to have uh, some top guys and some lower guys. I think he might kind of get lost in that middle range there. He's uh, I didn't really like uh, like him much when I started out, but when I looked a little deeper at, uh, at the Giants against the run, uh, kind of intriguing. I, I think Gordon could be could be sneaky this week at, at a low percent. And so on the Giants side, is uh, Odell somebody that you are considering? Odell Beckham at that uh, that, that high price tag? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll move him around. They they usually don't line him up just in one spot, so I think he'll he won't get Casey Hayward all the time. Um, he just a note: he had a partial practice Wednesday and Thursday, so he's not fully healthy. But it sounds like he'll be fine. But just such a target monster. He had 13 targets the week before, 15 uh, 15 the week before that, so 28 targets in the last two weeks since he finally got healthy. I think Beckham's one of those guys. You know, I don't think I think he's matchup proof. He's a play at any time at 8900. He's an interesting uh, interesting play this week. I mean, Eli's finally playing better. Thrown for 366 and 288 the last two weeks with Beckham back fully. They've kind of gone to a, a quick passing game because they don't trust their offensive line. I think Beckham's in play every week. It's just a matter if you if you hit him on that week where he hits, he hits the big play. But yeah, I mean, I, I never go away from Odell Beckham now that he's playing a full snaps again. And I think you'll see some ownership um, at least over 10% on Eli Manning uh, because he's simply just too cheap right now. Uh, coming in at 7,000 uh, fits in nicely if you do want to get him in with Beckham. Uh, Paul Perkins, the uh, absolutely horrendous running back who is yet to score a touchdown in the National Football League. Uh, he missed practice on, on Thursday with rib injury. We're going to see a little bit more of the rookie running back Wayne Gallman. Uh, perhaps as the featured back and to see some Shane Vereen mixed in, um, you know, but for the most part, I mean, even, even Evan Ingram uh, against this charger defense, that's typically been stout against opposing tight ends. I think there's some other ways to go on tight end um, for whatever reason, just this giants offense just does not excite me this week. I could end up being wrong. Um, but outside, you know, perhaps a GP, GPP team with Odell and Eli together um, with some correlation on the other side with like a Keenan Allen or a Hunter Henry, um, I'm not particularly interested. Yeah, Ingram's quietly been pretty good, though. I mean, four catches or more in every game. Pretty impressive for a rookie tight end. It helps having Beckham there, too. Take some attention away. Uh, 5,400, I, I think Ingram, if uh, you're looking for a, a mid-range tight end, is a guy that, uh, that won't hurt you. What do we have next, my friend? We move to uh, we get we get home Steelers finally, and the Steelers have been on the road for three of their four games, so we haven't uh, been able to unleash our Steelers as much as we'd like to. Jacksonville's going into Heinz Field. Pittsburgh favored by eight and a half. Uh, one of the bigger favorites of this week. Them and the Eagles are the two biggest favorites. Over under of forty four um, on the Jacksonville side. Uh, really quick, kind of a full fade for me. I don't really like teams going into Pittsburgh um, on the road playing against that defense. Leonard Fournette might be the only guy, but at seventy six hundred, kind of tough to fit in. But it's just a ton of volume. I mean, he scored a touchdown every week. He's averaging four targets per game. He had 24 carries last week. Um, so in terms of pure volume, they're going to give him the ball. But um, not the week that I think that Fournette goes crazy. Nor do I. You mentioned the uh, the touchdown in every game of his NFL career so far. Uh, he was limited in Wednesday's practice. I haven't checked on Thursday. Dealing with a minor ankle ailment. Uh, the Steelers have actually allowed 4.6 yards per carry this year. Um, but nevertheless, I just don't see this as a very high upside play. 
Um, I do think that people are going to continue to go to him. You'll probably see him somewhere in the 10 to 15% range uh, in the Sunday million, um, a little less than he was last week. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be involved as, uh, you know, as a pass catcher as well. Uh, he could probably even get into the end zone again. Jacksonville, for me as well, is, will be a full fade. So, um, real quick, I mean, I don't think we need to talk too much about Le'Veon Bell. He's 9,500 this week. Everybody in the world loves him. Great matchup. Great game script is the big favorite. He's going to be a huge chalk guy this week. Finally looked like Le'Veon Bell again last week. 35 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns against the Ravens defense last week. Uh, also has 23 targets already in four weeks. Um, you know, it's just uh, the uh, the Jaguars have had a lot of trouble stopping the run recently. Uh, running backs are like at eight yards per carry the last three weeks, which is almost an impossible stat. They play the pass so well, and running backs have just been thrashing them. I think Le'Veon Bell is kind of everybody's number one play this week, and we probably don't need to go too deep into that. It's it's a, it's a pretty straightforward one. It is. Uh, and, uh, and you know, the crazy, volatile world of football, this probably sets up for some sort of chalk, uh, chalk fail. Of course. Um, I think I, I will definitely have a couple lineups where I just don't have Bell in at all. I'm going to play him in cash and go with the flow. Too easy to fit in this week with the way salary uh, structure is. Uh, but he looked like his old self last week, scored over 32 Fandle points, uh, hitting almost four times his salary. Uh, and this Jacksonville team, I mean – they're by far the worst against the run. Uh, 5.7 yards per carry. Uh, New England is second worst at 5.1. That's a pretty wide margin there. Um, I think the most interesting part of this game, and you and I talked about it earlier in the week, is that big, big uh, Ben Roethlisberger quote uh, with Antonio Brown and, and you know the two of them kind of squabbling. And really, I mean, things can sort of go one or two ways. Um, you know, I think a lot of people will think that uh, Antonio Brown and this passing game's uh, upside is limited simply because A.J. Bowie and Jalen Ramsey, the cornerbacks for the Jaguars, are basically elite. I mean, they haven't allowed an opposing wide receiver to top 65 yards in any game this this week, uh, this season yet. Um, really, there's no better spot for a streak like that to be broken with a guy like Antonio Brown, especially with the Steelers at home. Uh, how do you think this plays out? I mean, do you think he, he could put up a monster game against these guys? And and do you think he will? I'm more worried about game script than I am uh, about uh, about the cornerbacks and all that. I, I just worry how much they throw the ball in the second half. I'm a little a little wary on the on the Jacksonville pass defense love. They faced Josh McCown, Joe Flacco, and Tom Savage as starters in three of those four games. Mariota was the other one they faced. He had 215 yards and a touchdown, so he was okay against them. They faced really, really bad quarterbacks so far. Um, my concern on Ben is Ben's not playing well. I know he's had three games on the road. I know everybody likes home Ben, but you know lowest completion percentage since 2010. His lowest YPA ever right now at 6.84. Jacksonville has 18 sacks already. They have three good cornerbacks, um, so they have a lot going for them. Um, I just wonder on Brown, uh, you know, the squeaky wheel thing. You, you got to think they're probably going to feed him. They're going to want to make things right again. They can't win and go deep in the playoffs without Antonio Brown being great. He's a target beast, 45 targets in four weeks. Uh, you know, I love wide receiver. I love wide receiver ones after they have bad weeks. They almost always go off the next week. Um, I think I'm going to have some Antonio Brown, but probably not paired up with Ben. I'll probably go a different quarterback receiver combo and then toss Brown in my lineup. But. Uh, what about Martavis Bryant? 50 down to 5,700. I feel like he just keeps missing huge plays. He's such a boomer bust guy. He gets a couple deep balls every week, and if he catches them, it's a huge game. If he doesn't, he does nothing. So he's, uh, I'm having trouble figuring out how to play him, both in season long and DFS. And I thought about it. Uh, you know, definitely somebody that came to mind. Uh, I think there are too many guys in that mid range, but something has to be said for uh, 
Pittsburgh offense uh, passing game at home. Uh, his, his one big game was against a, a pretty stout Viking secondary, but a, a little over 17 Fanduel points. So, uh, you know, definitely somebody that's intriguing. Um, not someone I can necessarily get 100% behind because if Ben is struggling, uh, playing at home isn't going to magically fix that. And so I think that's a little bit of a concern, like you already mentioned. Do you think uh, you think Pittsburgh rolls in this game? Is this uh, if you play in a survivor pool? Is this the way you're going? Survivor makes sense, uh, but I, I, you know, I see this probably as like a, you know, a 24-17 type of game with Pittsburgh winning. I think we're looking at uh, like 34 to 10. Wow. Yep. All right. I like right. Uh, I like your- I like Pittsburgh with the spread. I like Pittsburgh in in uh, in fantasy. I like Pittsburgh in DFS. I just don't know how much of the passing game in the second half is going to really get going. I mean, I think Le'Veon Bell is the best play of the week, but uh, that's not saying much because everybody loves that one. So. Uh, and but, I will, uh, I will have Lev. I will will pair Lev Bell with the the correlation defense as well. I think uh, you know, even though Pittsburgh will probably be the highest owned defense in cash games, I have no problem just sticking those two together, especially that they are a little underpriced this week uh, at uh, forty eight hundred. So um, you know, the, the the third most expensive defense, but still under that five thousand mark. Um, I like them a lot, especially if Jacksonville is trying to catch up in the second half with uh, Mr. Garbage Time, Blake Bortles, likely getting intercepted. Uh, so the last game on the morning slate is the Cardinals at uh, visiting the Eagles, uh, West Coast team heading to the East Coast. Philly is fared by 6.5, over under 45. Um, starting with the Cardinals, I tell you what, Carson Palmer, over 325 yards each of the last three weeks, only four touchdowns, but uh, he's been going off in the passing yards, but the offensive line is killing him. The Niners sacked him six times last week, but uh, for Palmer, 7,200, could be a good game script as an underdog. He could throw the ball a lot in the second half. The Eagles are allowing 285 yards passing per game. They gave 366 to Manning two weeks ago, 347 to Phil Rivers uh, last week. Uh, are you in on Carson Palmer as a play this week at all? I am, and I think uh, a big chunk of the field is going to be as well. Uh, a lot of people are going to go with Aaron Rodgers first. I think uh, Carson Palmer is a secondary uh, option there, especially a little bit discounted. Uh, you did mention the 285 yards uh, per per game. Um, you know that Philly is allowing. It, they're actually allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, uh, and only Tom Brady is uh, you know through week four that is is averaging more passing yards per game with, than Carson Palmer, and they are the only two averaging more than 300 yards per game. Uh, you know, as far as Fitz is concerned, um, you know n- what can you really say about the guy? Incredibly clutch. Uh, was all but shut out most of the last game until that incredible overtime touchdown. I think he's definitely in play at 6,700. Uh, but to me, in this offense, um, I think you're going to see a lot of love for Jaron Brown uh, and a little bit for Andre Ellington as well. Jaron Brown is 4,500. Um, he's become um, sort of the possession receiver there along with Fitzgerald with uh, you know John Brown and J.J. Nelson, neither of whom are at full strength. Um, he did catch eight balls, Brown did, uh, for over 100 yards last week. Um, and I think he's a little more r- reliable than those other guys. And at 4,500, it, it's kind of a no-brainer. And somebody that I think I'm just going to pop into my cash lineup and go with the flow on. Yeah, 29 targets the last three weeks. Uh, kind of seems to be solidly in that n- number two role behind Fitz. Um, 12 targets last week. Uh, 4,500. I don't know how high percentage is going to be. I don't know if people will uh, will jump on Jaron Brown not uh, not knowing the name, but I think a lot of sharp players will be on Jaron Brown uh, at forty five hundred. Uh, Got to play him in a lot of spots, I would think. 
And what about Ellington? Obviously, he comes in around that, you know, the Duke Johnson price range. Um, really the only guy I would even consider in this backfield. Obviously, better for full PPR sites. Um, but only 5,400. He saw 14 targets last game. Um, if he gets in the end zone and, uh, you know, sees even, even eight targets this week, uh, could easily pay off value. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those guys that it, it's got to be a game script thing. You have to think that uh, that Philly uh, gets a lead, and then they throw the ball uh, to Ellington out of the backfield a bunch, out of the slot a bunch. Uh, I like him. I, I like him. Like you said, I like him more on full PPR sites. I just don't think he has a ton of upside. Um, not someone I'll be playing a lot of, but I could see um, tossing him in there if you need a cheap running back. Kind of a kind of just an okay play for me. I just uh, it relies so much on game script. If that doesn't go right, uh, you, you could it could be in a tough spot. And on Philly's side, uh, we know that Wendell Smallwood was the man that the man that stepped up. One of the few things that I got right actually last week, um, you know, popping him in there in some lineups, stepping up into that Darren Sproles role. Uh, I know he was dealing with a knee injury, uh, missed Wednesday's practice. I had not checked up on him for Thursday. Um, and then you got LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, looking fully revived and sort of running with abandon there. Um, you know, I, I was looking at some of those uh, NFL next gen stats and they have this efficiency rating, which. To me, it's kind of just like a complicated calculation that pretty much identifies the best north-south runners. And he actually ranks third in this efficiency rating behind Kareem Hunt and uh, Alex Fumbles Collins. So uh, what do you think about Blunt this week? Uh, I tell you what, Blunt was dead two weeks ago. He had no carries week two, and all of a sudden they've uh, they've gone back to him. That uh, that 68-yard run looked like vintage LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, it was a great run. He was uh, stiff-arming guys, throwing guys to the ground. Only 26 snaps last week, but when he's in, they give him the ball. 16 rushes on those snaps. Um, it's interesting. You know, Arizona pass D is really good, so maybe Philly uh, moves to running the ball. I think LeGarrette Blount at 5,900 is a pretty good play. Um, a guy that uh, you know, has a good chance to score a touchdown. They get the ball within the five. You know that's where it's going. Uh, he looks like he could break, uh, break some longer ones too, which we don't usually expect from Blunt. But 5,900, I, I think he's got a pretty decent floor as long as they continue to use him in this, in this regard. Yeah, and you know what? Somebody in this little range, the $6,000 range, is going to blow up. I mean, you've got like Lynch, Crowell, Duke Johnson, Abdullah, Gore, Aaron Jones if he's the starter. And LeGarrette Blunt is just the guy that sticks out to me in, in that cheaper range. And so um, definitely somebody I'm interested in specifically for uh, FanDuel. Uh, and then the pass catchers, uh, Ertz and uh, Alshon and those guys. Um, any, anybody stick out to you here? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to play Alshon. Uh, you know, Patrick Peterson will be on him a bunch, I imagine. So uh, probably avoid there. But you know, Zach Ertz so solid. 6600 is is a little elevated for a tight end, but he's just so good. 581, five catches for 81 yards in in week four. He's been only 80 yard under 80 yards once this year, which for a tight end is super valuable. Um, tight ends haven't done a ton versus Arizona. Jack Doyle did have an 80 yard game against them a couple weeks ago. But I just think Ertz is so rock solid. But my favorite play on the Philly side is actually the Philadelphia defense. They uh, they have 10 sacks and 7 turnovers already. Arizona's allowed 12 sacks the last two weeks. I think it could be a huge sack game for Philadelphia. Brandon Graham coming around the corner uh, could have a huge game, uh, really creating some problems with that Arizona offensive line really struggling. Good formula for the Philly D. Uh, home game. Uh, favored, should have the lead, a quarterback who takes a lot of risks in Carson Palmer, especially when he's behind. Uh, Philly D is actually my favorite D of the weekend at 4,600. Yeah, I'm on board with that, especially with a, a couple of key pieces of that line missing uh, for uh, for, Car- for Carson Palmer's side of things. To me, the one guy that intrigues me, and uh, I know we picked him up this morning in the uh, the Mark Stelba Auction 10K League, uh, is Torrey Smith, and we're going to start him this week. And he's, to me, sort of similar to Tampa's uh, Deshaun Jackson, just you know, one of those guys that's, that's you know, this veteran, 
deep threat, not fully in sync with his quarterback yet, but he missed just, you know, catching two absolute bombs from Wentz. And he, you know, the the savvy, smart veteran that he is, he took all the blame for it. Um, I think, in fact, looking back at those plays, that really was his fault. Uh, but I think these two can connect this week, uh, very cheap this week. And, you know, going up against the Cards, single weak link in that secondary and Justin Bethel. Yeah, I think it's an interesting play. I mean, he's a boomer bust play. He's uh, you know one of those guys that is going to hit a deep ball or he's not. Uh, kind of a uh, kind of a poor man's Martavis Bryant. Um, yeah, at a GPP, I could see throwing him in there as a, as a flex player, or your third wide receiver. Um, you know, not someone you can count on any kind of cash situation, but uh, he can hit a big one. They keep going deep to him. It's just a matter of time before they hit one, I imagine. Next up. Moving to the uh, 1 o'clock games. First game is a, a big game in the NFC West. Uh, who would have thunk it? But uh, the Seahawks coming down here to Los Angeles to the Coliseum to face the Rams. Rams are fared by 2.5 over under a 47. Uh, this game features my favorite quarterback of the week. I love Russell Wilson this week at 8,000. Uh, really good game script. Close game. Pretty high over under. Um, you know, a little bit of an underdog. I really like what he's done lately. Seven combined touchdowns the last two weeks. He's kind of taken things in his own hands. The first couple of weeks, the, the offensive line was just killing him. He's kind of said, forget it, and kind of he's running a little bit. He's uh, getting the ball out quicker. Uh, they really have adapted to how poor the offensive line is. I, I love what Wilson's done lately. I just, I like how, I like the hot quarterback. The Rams are allowing 7.8 yards per attempt, so they haven't been great against the pass. Uh, Dak Prescott had three touchdowns last week. Hoyer obviously went off against him. His only good game the week before. So uh, Russell Wilson, Comboed with maybe either Doug Baldwin or Paul Richardson. I want to get a little sneaky. Kind of my favorite quarterback play of the week. I like it. Uh, this is going to be a really fun one. Um, and it's shocking that the the Rams are, you know, we're, with this point of the season, the Rams are the favorites in this game. I mean, I obviously, know. they're at home. Yep. Solid defense. And they've been the league's best offense so far this year under Sean McVay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm always on board with Russell Wilson. I mean, you know me, uh, you know. Preseason in all of my drafts, Wilson was my main target there around round six or seven. And um, yeah, I was a little concerned with the offensive line. I do like the fact that they've uh, limited the sacks over the last couple of games on Wilson, which is nice to see. Um, he's averaged nearly seven carries and a little over 30 rushing yards per game himself. Um, always a threat to run one in. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm on board here with him. You know, the, the receivers here is the tricky part. Uh, Baldwin practiced in full. Um, he's going to have the toughest tr- uh, matchup of the trio with the much improved nickel Roby Coleman. Um, and then you've got Lockett too. I mean, the guy can always, can always bust one out. He's, he's becoming more involved in that offense. 5,600. Well, Paul Richardson continues to be underpriced at only 5,100. Um, as far as red zone looks, and I sort of dug into this a little bit more. Um, it, it's pretty close actually between the two of them. Um, Paul Richardson saw two red zone looks last game and he's got four on the season while Tyler Lockett has three. The guy I really like in this offense this week, and kind of sneaky, is Jimmy Graham. He's down to 5,800. He was horrible the first couple weeks, but has really come on the last two weeks. He hasn't scored, which I kind of like. It's kept him under the radar. But 72 yards and 61 yards the last two weeks. Uh, I think Graham at, at under 6,000 is an interesting guy, especially to combo with Russell Wilson. You can then you can then go three kind of separate wide receivers if you wanted to. Uh, I think Graham is one of my favorite tight end plays, and I don't think he'll be highly owned. He will not be. I, I like that as well. Uh, as far as the running backs, I don't think I'm going to even touch Lacey and Rawls. I want to see how this sort of plays out. Um, I do think that at the end of the day, Thomas Rawls is the one that pulls away. Now that he's a step closer to full health and Chris Carson is out of the picture. But there's just so much going on there. Um, we obviously saw what McKissick is capable of last week. Uh, Procise missed practice on Thursday, so I don't know if he's going to play in this one. 
Um, and so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. A lot to love in this game in general. Definitely another potential game stack. Um, on the Ram side, uh, to me, you know, it's pretty much uh, girly and that's it. I mean, you know, I've already touched earlier on the, on the pod, um, you know, what I think of him. I think he's underpriced, going to be continue to continue to be a focal point of this offense. And for me, you know, I just don't have much love for the pass game in this one um, in terms of Goff, Watkins and, and Woods and, and Cup and trying to figure out how that's all going to shake out. Anything for you here besides Gurley? Uh, Gurley was kind of the only guy that I noted that I had some interest in. I mean, it's crazy. You look at his stats, 51 carries the last two weeks and 12 catches. I mean, that's 63 touches the last two weeks. I mean, that's that's like prime Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson stuff. It, it's wild. Seattle has weirdly struggled versus the run. They were a bit better last week, but uh, I take that with a grain of salt because it was the Indianapolis running back, so I'm not uh, not totally convinced there. I have no interest in Jared Goff against the Seattle pass D. Um, just not something that I'm going to play or any of the receivers. But, uh, you know, Gurley at 7,800 is still. They haven't put him up uh, any, any higher. I think it's probably because he's playing Seattle. But, um, you know, they were thrashed by Carlos Hyde. They were thrashed by the DeMarco Murray-Derek Henry combo the week before that. Um, yeah, I think Gurley is very much in play at 7,800. And so uh, just as you're speaking, a uh, little, little stack came together in my head. And, and for those people that, uh, you know, obviously everyone's going to be in on the Dallas-Green Bay game, which we'll get to in a second. But, uh, you know, you can sort of put together a nice little team, uh, not a full stack, but a, sort of a, a little correlation stack where you just go with Gurley on the Ram side. And then you take Wilson with maybe Graham to pivot off Baldwin and another one of those receivers um, really guessing and figuring out who might hit. Uh, will be tough, but hey, if this game shoots out and it beats out the uh, the Dallas Green Bay game, it could be your path to a to a GPP win. I uh, I like it. Uh, next game is the Ravens at the Raiders. I'm going to make this one really quick. We're not going to spend too much time on this game. Raiders favored by Please, two. Please no. Raiders favored by two and a half. <laughs> over under a forty. EJ Manuel starting for the Raiders. Um, my only interest in this game is the Oakland defense. Uh, Joe Flacco's already thrown six interceptions. He has not topped 235 yards in any passing uh, passing in any game so far this year. Uh, none of the Ravens wide receivers or running backs put much fear in me uh, playing a defense. Home game, if they can get a little bit of a lead, I like their chance for a big play. Flacco's a guy that will make some mistakes late. Um, Oakland defense, and I don't think anybody will have them, even at 4,300, just because of the fact that uh, nobody's really looking at this game. Nobody really wants to uh, play anyone in Oakland right now. Uh, I think they're the only play for me. I don't really see much else I'm going with in this game. How about you? Is there anybody you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go with? No, I mean, I'll keep it short as we, sweet as well. Uh, Flacco's looked horrible this year. Uh, I think quite possibly that that preseason back injury is still uh, bothering him. And he ranks dead last in the league with 5.09 yards uh, per attempt, which is just incredible. I mean, it definitely hurts the pass out the, the, the outlook of the passing game in this one. Um, only guy I'd really consider is, is, is uh, Javorius Buck Allen, who leads the team with seven red zone looks and has caught at least five targets in each of the Ravens' last three games. Uh, so that's about it for me there. Um, I think Watson is Ben Watson is a little dinged up, so we'll probably see a little bit more of my of my boy Nick Boyle. Uh, Why are you that, still on the Nick Boyle bandwagon? You got to get you got to jump man. off. It's time. Watch the film, bro. No, it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's week five. <laughs> time to get off. No, uh, and on the Oakland side, I mean, honestly, very little to expect. Um, you know, EJ Manuel did look good when he stepped in for for uh, for him last week. He's dirt cheap, the the, the cheapest option you can get. Um, just not somebody I'm necessarily looking. You know, I'm I'm just not looking at anybody here on the Oakland side. Uh, Coop, Cooper, um, you know, the Drop King, um, Crabtree is going to be back in this one. I think if I touch anyone whatsoever in uh, if I'm doing 50 lineups, I'll probably have a little bit of Jared Cook and uh, just Amari Cooper, just because I can't quit him. 
So the the big game of the day in terms of uh, people watching and the over-under is the Packers headed to Jerry World to play the Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by two in this game, interestingly enough. Over-under is 52.5. Obviously a very sexy over-under there. Uh, on the Green Bay side, Aaron Rodgers is going to be super popular. He's 9,500, though, but a great game script. Close game. Big over-under is exactly what we like in a quarterback. Uh, could be a shootout. Should be a shootout. Just a note, he might not have Devontae Adams. He took that uh, big hit from Danny Trevathan last week that uh, everybody saw on Thursday Night Football. Rodgers already has three 300-yard games. He has 10 touchdowns already in the first four weeks. Um, Dallas has given up 10 plays of 20-plus yards uh, so far in the past game last three weeks. Um, Dallas has given up 10 t- passing touchdowns the last three weeks. Um, just a prime, prime matchup for A-Rod all around. No, this is this is the game. Everybody is. is on the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's where all the chalk is going to reside. Um, you can have everybody using their targets in this one. Uh, you know, the Dallas D has had some injuries in the, in their secondary, but they've done a decent job against opposing quarterbacks. I mean, holding uh, holding them to a 6.7 yards per attempt so far through the first four weeks. But, uh, of course, this is A-Rod, man. This is not your average QB. Uh, Jordy and Cobb, uh, especially if Adams is out, I think are both great plays. Uh, Jordy is going to just be the guy that you just, you know, people just sort of pop into their lineup. Uh, Cobb it could end up being the better value. Um, you know, I, I like him a little bit more on full PPR sites, but at only 6,600, he's a way to uh, sort of, you know, get a little bit of different type of exposure um, in case that uh, that Jordy chalk does fail. Um, as far as the running backs are concerned, there, like. Tymont has, you know, I know he practiced a little bit, but I mean, like he's got confirmed broken ribs, right? Like, yes, you know, is there really a chance? I, I just don't see him playing this week. Nah, I, I don't think it, I don't think it makes any sense for week five. If, if it was week fourteen, they needed to win to make the playoffs. Sure, if it was a playoff game, sure you can kind of wrap him up and uh, you know hope uh, hope he doesn't uh, take a direct hit there. But in week five, you know, and, and Green Bay's a team that does not usually tend to panic. I, I can't see any reason why they use him. Exactly. And I, and I know Jamal Williams returned to practice. He's going to split the carries most likely with Aaron Jones. You're probably going to see Jones more uh, as a goal line back uh, and, and possibly get some red zone carries um, on the Dallas side. You know, Prescott and Dez, they, you know, Prescott's look great, but the two of them haven't really been in sync so far. Um, I have no issue going back with to Dez in this one. Um, a little pricey on FanDuel, but, um, you know, I'm probably going to have more of him on the full PPR sites, but I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before these two start gelling. Um, you know, Dez saw just two targets against Patrick Peterson in coverage against Arizona a couple weeks ago. But uh, in the games, uh, you know, that game was sandwiched in between where he saw 13 and 16 targets, respectively, against the Rams and the Broncos. Um, I'm, you know, uh, you know me, I, I, I plant my flag with Des Bryant, and I think this is the week for it. Yeah, and, and the Green Bay pasty has been good, but, you know, elite wide receivers have beat them. Julio Jones had 108 yards. AJ Green had ten catches for a buck eleven and a touchdown. So the top wide receivers have beaten the Green Bay pasty. Um, what about Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, you know he, he's going to play this week. There was some question, might be his last game. There's going to be uh, some uh, some news that's going to come out during their bye week. Three three of four of his game his games have been really good. Either he had over hundred yards or scored. He just had that one stinker that everybody looked at the, against the Broncos. Um, sounds like Mike Daniels, the defensive lineman for the Packers, won't play again. That's a pretty big deal for their run defense. Green Bay's allowing four point two yards per carry. And the big thing with Zeke is the volume is always there. He's always uh, he's always uh, you know a guy that can bust one, but the volume is so important with Zeke. Yeah, and, and and last week against the Rams, uh, over 130 yards from scrimmage, had uh, 20 carries for you know for the second consecutive game, and uh, you know he 
he's always a threat to score. And so, you know, man, when, when, when I don't have Zeke on my main lineups, I'm always sweating those games because, you know, a lot of times the way it plays out is, you know, uh, unless Dez catches that big one, um, there's no reason not to hand it to, to, to Zeke Elliott. And so he's always in the mix, 8,900. I'm definitely interested. Um, you know, but then again, Le'Veon Bell for me paying a little up and then Todd Gurley a little bit down is, uh, you know, probably the way that uh, the way I'm going to go. Um, secondary tertiary teams, I definitely want to have a little bit of Zeke just to sort of, uh, you know, balance out uh, in, in case this game sort of flows in a different way than I expect to with Des Bryant going off. I think that you kind of just made the case for why Zeke's a really interesting play. I mean, he's going to get lost in that uh, Gurley below and, and Le'Veon Bell above. I think that uh, you can get someone like Zeke at 8900 in a high-scoring game, and the game is need a lot of volume, uh, and it's going to be lower percentage than normal with uh, with everybody playing Le'Veon Bell. I think you just kind of made the case for why he's a really interesting tournament play. All right, <laughs> let's play him. <laughs> nice. So uh, I like Dez too. Seventy-eight hundred. I'm going to have a lot of him. Uh, anybody else in this game? I think you mentioned Randall Cobb, sixty-six hundred. Um, Dallas has had some issues with slot receivers. Cooper Cup had a touchdown last week. Fitz went nuts against him the week before that. Especially interesting if Devontae doesn't play. Uh, only four targets last week, but uh, they didn't have to throw the ball a lot. He was coming off an injury. He had 22 targets the first two weeks. Uh, I think Randall Cobb at 6,600, uh, really interesting guy. If you wanted to save some money off Jordy and go somewhere else big, uh, I think uh, I think a Rodgers-Cobb stack is something I'm going to be doing a, a lot of. Exactly. Um, and, and I'm messing around with my main cash lineup um, with the chance of, uh, of not going with Jordy, even though Jordy's almost good for a touchdown every game, um, you know, just to see a little bit of that touchdown regression and, and maybe Cobb being the guy having the big game this time, um, just sort of playing around with the salaries yet. It's still early in the week. Um, you know, outside of that, I mean, I would love to see Dallas in, uh get more usage out of Bryce Butler. Unfortunately, uh, you know, just one of his last four games, does he have more than two targets? Um, but I think he's a big play guy. He does have a touchdown in each of his last two games. He's 4,700. There's no way I would play him, you know, over, a, over a Jaron Brown or even an Aldrick Robinson. But, uh, but I think he's someone we can keep an eye on and perhaps throw into our Sunday million lineups. The, uh, the last game of the day, the Sunday hammer is the, uh, the chiefs, uh, heading to the Texans, really interesting game, Kansas city, only undefeated team left in the NFL. Uh, they are favored by one over under a 47, which I thought felt a little bit high for this game. Um, on the Chiefs side, you know, you always start with Kareem Hunt. He's up to 9,000. They finally He's finally up there with uh, with the big boys. Most scrimmage yards ever for a rookie through four weeks. Uh, do you think Kareem Hunt is matchup proof, kind of slot him in? Uh, what do you do with Hunt this week? I know you love Le'Veon Bell. I just talked about how much I like Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, does, does Hunt get lost a little bit in the mix this week? Uh, I think he does, but I think because it is in the primetime game, um, you're going to see some people uh, pivot to him. Uh, But the matchup is just tough. And uh, unfortunately for me, uh, you know, if I'm I'm building three main lineups on FanDuel, Hunt is not going to make any of those. Um, Obviously, it's it's always a tough spot to be in, but there's just so much – so much upside with all those guys in that range. Uh, but obviously he's been amazing. Um, you know, he's, he's going to have his hands full, I think with Houston, um, they're going to sell out to stop him. Um, you know, they've obviously have done a good job holding, uh, opposing running backs to, you know, under four yards of carry and under a hundred yards per game. Um, and, and not to mention Kansas city will likely be without their starting center and their starting right guard. Uh, so it's just something for people to keep in mind there. Obviously, he's dynamic. He can break off those big run plays at any given time. Uh, but I think for that price range, uh, I'd be more interested in Bell, Zeke, and Gurley. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Texans' D. Fournette had a really good game against them week one, had 100 yards. No one else has topped 36 yards since that. So uh, 
Probably a pass for the price at me too, but that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be kind of a gut wrenching one to watch if you're uh, if you're doing well in a tournament and you've got the the Sunday night game and Kareem Hunt's playing and you don't have him. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a tough uh, tough watch. Exactly, and um, you know it, it, I love to have exposure in these Sunday night primetime games, um, but I just I just don't necessarily like to force it. Um, I think the defenses are both in play here. Uh, obviously, you got DeAndre Hopkins and his thirty nine percent target share. Um, you've got Fuller back in the mix. He looked good scoring a couple of touchdowns last year. Um, you know, I'd consider maybe a Watkins Hopkins, but I don't think this is necessarily going to be a very high scoring game. Um, the guy that sticks out to me for tournaments that I'm, I'm probably going to be uh, kind of scared to pull the trigger on, um, but I probably will have a little bit of exposure to is Tyreek Hill. I think he's due for uh, for one of those, um, you know, bounce back games going to, uh, you know, basically my favorite matchup of the week, him with uh, Jonathan Banks and coverage. Um, Houston secondary can be beat easily. I think last week was a Kelsey week, kind of like our old, you know, is it a Sanders or Demarius week? It's kind of like, is it a Kelsey or, or Hill week, even though it's always a Kareem Hunt week, if you know what I mean. And so I think it's Tyreek Hill week, perhaps. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting thought. I, you know, I like Kelsey too, you know, getting, I don't think he'll be super high percent at 7,000. You know, people don't usually like to play up a tight end unless it's for Gronk. Um, over 100 yards, two of the last three weeks, he had that really bad one-yard game in the mix there. But um, last week, seven for a buck 11 and a touchdown. Last week on eight targets, um, Gronk had 89 yards and a touchdown against uh, the Texans when they played. And Gronk and Kelsey kind of have that similar profile. Um, I think Kelsey's an interesting guy, someone that I'd, I'd like to squeeze in a couple lineups if I can afford him. So it is recap time. Let's go over and close this one out. Go over our favorite plays at the position. Uh, let's run through it. Quarterback, who's your favorite overall play? My favorite overall play this week is Russell Wilson. I, I like that game. I like the way the game's uh, going to script out. I like the way Wilson's been playing. My favorite mid-range play is probably Carson Palmer. Another game script kind of thing. I like that he's throwing the ball a ton. Uh, I think that uh, you know. I think he makes it interesting. I think the defense is a good play too. But I like Palmer. Put up a lot of yards, especially in a game they're trailing. Uh, how about your favorite overall and your favorite mid-range guys? For me, it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, Prescott. If we're considering salary and we want to pay up for a couple of a uh, couple of running backs, um, you know, for my mid-range play, it's going to be Carson Palmer as well. I'm on board with you there. Uh, what about a fade here? I mean, for me, it's uh, it, for me, it's pretty clear. It's going to be Stafford and Newton, and I could be wrong here, but I'll live and die with it. Um, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, I won't have Stafford Newton either, but my fade is a guy that probably will have some ownership is Ben Roethlisberger. He's at home this week. I just uh, I think Pittsburgh smokes Jacksonville, and I just don't think they put up a ton of yards, especially in the second half. Um, so I think from a fantasy angle, I'm fading Ben. Uh, what about a sneaky kind of low percentage play? Maybe someone that might slide into the radar this week. Oh, I got them all. I got uh, all of them. Give me all of them. No, <laughs> for for non fan for 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 the non Fandle sites, I'm going to have a lot of different teams with Brissett and a little bit of Cutler sprinkled in here and there. Um, Eli's cheap as well, and he's interesting. Um, you know, Hoyer and McCown. If I'm to pick just one guy of those, I would leave it at uh, Jacoby Brissett as my favorite sneaky low percentage play, and Jay Cutler as my number two. Yeah, I kind of like Eli Manning this week. Uh, I think some people would be on him, but I think he's an interesting play. I think that uh, that Giants Chargers game could turn into uh, quietly turn into a little bit of a shootout. Uh, about the running backs, favorite overall play and and two favorite mid range plays. My favorite overall play is really boring. It's it's Le'Veon Bell. I just think that uh, I think he's the guy this week. I think everything lines up really well for him. But 
I love Ezekiel Elliott too. I think I'm going to uh, move to him on a on a couple lineups and kind of uh, play the uh, play the dangerous, uh, not have Le'Veon Bell game. But I think that uh, Zeke is a really interesting guy to move off uh, move off of Bell too. My favorite mid range play is Carlos Hyde. I really like him in that game. I think that uh, the Niners and Colts will stay close, and it's a really good game script for Hyde. For me, very boring as well. Lev Bell, favorite overall play. Uh, also very interested in Gurley. He would be secondary um, and Zeke third there. As far as the mid-range plays, for me, it is Hyde as well. Um, also, Garrett Blunt and uh, and Frank Gore as a uh, as a 5% play, somebody I would consider there in the mid-range. You cannot quit Narrative Street. Who? You can't quit Narrative Street with Frank Gore. No, it, it, notice how I didn't say it. I didn't. I didn't quote Narrative Street there, but I, but you, but you, you found me out, man. You know me too well. Imagine, imagine if it was his birthday, also. <laughs> let me let me look that up. Uh, what about favorite cheap plays? Who do you like in that mix? Uh, I'm going back to Joe Mixon on this one. Uh, I think that uh, I think he's really interesting. I think him and LeGarrette Blount, both at 5900, are my two favorite cheap plays. I think Mixon's more my um, kind of sneaky low percent guy more than anything. I don't think anybody will have him off his uh, off his bomb last week, but. If he touches the ball as many times as he's uh, touching the ball recently, he's going to make some big plays and he's going to pay off uh, one of these weeks. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's Andre Ellington. Uh, I guess you can kind of consider you can consider Legarrette Blunt a, a cheap play as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you got me uh, you got me interested there with your um, you know little little piece there about Duke Johnson scaring me off of him a little bit, especially on a site like Fanduel where you know he really needs the the game to flow the way it needs to uh, for him to pay off. And so. Um, you know, a little worried there. Uh, fade wise for me, it's just going to be Kareem Hunt. It could be a brutal Sunday evening. Maybe I'll find something else to do and not watch the game. Uh, who's your fade there at running back? So all you did right there was uh, pretty much guaranteed by the, the 1008 Andrew Siciliano's announcing a Duke Johnson touchdown, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm going to have him somewhere. Just may not be on my main team. Uh, my fade is Cream Hunt, too. Uh, I really like – I love Cream Hunt, obviously, but I think I just like other guys the price range more. And when it comes to expensive guys, sometimes you have to make tough calls. And it's uh, – you know, if it was if it was easy, it would be easy. So uh, uh, I think Cream Hunt's my fade there, too. Uh, he's going to be tough to watch on Sunday night like we were talking about earlier. What about uh, what about the wideouts? Who are your uh, who are your favorite overall plays, and who do you like in the mid-range there? Des Bryant, number one, going back to the well. Um, he is going to be my guy. If I was to go with a secondary, it'll be Jordy Nelson. And my two favorite mid-range plays, Devontae Parker, that I already told you, put my gut stamp of approval on it, uh, and Randall Cobb at 6,600 in that high total game. Um, I like all those you mentioned. Uh, add a couple. I really like Doug Baldwin, uh, teaming him up with Russell Wilson this week now that he's uh, now that he seems to be fully uh, fully back and healthy. Also in the mid-range, um, I mentioned Devontae Parker. You love him. I love him. Probably my favorite play this week at 6,100. Uh, I also really like, uh, in a GPP kind of format, I like taking a shot on Martavis Bryant. He's a different player at home. Ben's different at home. I don't want I don't want Ben in that game script, but I think Martavis makes a big play in the first half, and I think he pays off uh, at a really low percent at 5,700. I like I like the way that you have it exactly precise the way it's going to happen and it's funny because we've seen it before you know we we've seen it a couple of years ago when the guy's in action he's at home uh, I could totally see that I just envisioned that scenario when you said that and I think I'm going to have a, a little bit of Martavis in my lineups as well uh, for me uh, if we're going to talk about fades favorite cheat plays and maybe one sneaky low percentage play okay. my fade un- is going to be Antonio Brown unfortunately I uh, just been kind of riding that wave for for a while and. 
uh, when when I when, <laughs> last week, of course, I ended up playing on my cash game lineups when he actually was a fade. Um, you know, say la vie. Favorite cheap play for me: Jaron Brown, forty-five hundred. Aldrick Robinson is sneaky for me as well. And my sneaky low percentage play, um, not chalky, is going to be Torrey Smith and also looking at Tyler Lockett in that Seattle Rams game. Interesting. Yeah, that could that that could work out. Um, Jaron Brown's my favorite cheap play. Also, I think uh, he's gonna be everybody's favorite cheap play at forty five hundred. Just underpriced for the amount of targets he's had recently. Um, my fade. I don't find myself having much T Y Hilton. I don't trust Jacoby Brissett as much as you do. Uh, I like going against the 49ers pass defense, but um, if I'm gonna pay seventy three hundred for a receiver, um, I want a quarterback that I trust a little bit more. I think Brissett has two touchdown passes in three weeks, and he has a couple running, but that doesn't help T Y Hilton. Hilton had the one big game, but uh, I think Hilton's gonna be over. Owned this week by people who are just playing against the Niners' pass defense, so I'm not going to have as much T.Y. Hilton as the field. Um, in terms of a sneaky low percent guy, I really don't have one. I like Jaron Brown, Aldrick Robinson, but I don't think either one is sneaky or low percent this week. All right, tight ends. My favorite overall play. You already uh, say that you don't like him, but for me, it's Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, already stated my case and what I like about him. Wow. Uh, it's just that it's just that chalk thing, you know. I mean, if everybody's going to play him. Um, you know, there still has to be good reason for me to fade him. And so, um, you know, perhaps we'll talk about it some more as the week goes. Um, you know, the price is nice there at 5,500. Uh, my mid range favorite play is Hunter Henry. Uh, maybe I will have, uh, the, the, um, uh, chutzpah to, to play Hunter Henry over Austin Safarian Jenkins in my main cash game lineup. Um, obviously because I think Hunter Henry is much more talented and a better offense. There are just so many targets there in, in, uh, for the, for the, for the Clippers, for the Chargers, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just a different sort of setting there where it is with Austin Safarian Jenkins, where I think you know the game just sets up for him to really be heavily involved. What about you? Favorite my, overall? Uh, favorite my favorite overall play is is Jimmy Graham. I also like Zach Ertz a lot. Uh, like both those guys. I think Travis Kelsey, if you can slide him in for the Sunday night game, will be a lot of fun. Also, um, I think the key for you is to move from Austin Safarian Jenkins to Evan Ingram. You get more upside, same price, and less ownership. Okay. All right, I'll take that in consideration. How about uh, for sneak? Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to ask you the same thing. Your favorite cheap, your favorite sneaky low percentage. Well, my favorite sneaky low percentage guy is a guy that uh, burned me last week, but Ryan Griffin with the Texans still had five targets, even in a, even a quiet game. Um, super cheap, super low percent. Uh, he burned people last week. Uh, going back to the well where I need a really cheap tight end, I don't think he'll hurt you. I think he'll uh, he'll make enough catches, get enough targets that uh, he'll he'll be he'll be of value at that price. Mine is uh, Antonio Gates, um, although, you know, we're, we're talking about I'm building five teams, uh, maybe on the seventh one. Well, I guess I have to build seven to get seven teams, right? <laughs> uh, then I would consider Antonio Gates. Uh, but the guy that I've been kind of looking at just because he popped out to me on Monday is Jesse James. Um, obviously, game script may not go that way, but I could see him vulturing a touchdown um, in the end zone. He is very cheap. Um, he, and he is a, he was a full participant in practice. Uh, he was dealing with a shoulder ailment, but he looks like he's good to go. Big body tight end there uh, for Big Ben, who might make things easier for him on Sunday. I miss uh, I miss Ladarius Green. I do. Where is this guy? Why isn't he in the league? Is Concu- he in the CFL? Concussions, man. It sucked. Yeah. What about defenses? Uh, my- I think we, we sort of touched on it, but. My favorite overall play is, is actually Philadelphia. Um, I like Carson Palmer this week, but I think he makes a couple of mistakes. I like Philly as a fantasy defense play. I think that the 12 sacks the last two weeks in Arizona, just a huge number. Philadelphia's going to get after the quarterback. I like Brandon Graham. If you play in an IDP league, 
Brandon Graham to couple, get a couple sacks this week, I think, is a, is a good play. Uh, my favorite cheaper play on defense, I like the Jets. I also like Oakland. I don't think either one will be high percent. Um, the Jets might be a little bit because people are really going after Deshaun Kaiser and his, his turnover potential, but uh, I think Oakland's kind of the sneaky low percent play. Uh, I think uh, Joe Flacco's bad right now. I think Oakland at home could make a couple big plays. For me, it's Pittsburgh all the way. They are my favorite play. Going to play them in cash along with Le'Veon Bell this week. Uh, cheaper plays, you nailed them both. For me, it's the Jets and, or the Raiders. Um, definitely like both of those scenarios there. Uh, perhaps the Raiders at home are a little bit of a better, uh, stronger play, at least floor-wise. Uh, and my one sneaky low percentage play, just something that stuck out to me earlier in the week, is the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, they don't have to travel too far to Cincinnati uh, facing Andy Dalton and that horrendous offensive line. Um, I think they they score a, uh, uh, you know, uh, basically intercept them for a touchdown for a pick six. Uh, so I'm going to have a little bit of Buffalo. All right. Well, that works. Anybody, uh, anybody else you want to hit on? I think that I think we've hit it all. No, I think we did a did a, a nice full uh, analysis on the slate. I think it's time for uh, everybody to start building those lineups and uh, let's win some of that money. Beautiful. I'm actually in town this weekend, so I can actually uh, focus a little more on my lineups. So I look forward to doing that uh, over the weekend. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the uh, Rotowire DFS NFL podcast uh, for week five. We uh, greatly appreciate that. Again, if you could please rate or review the podcast, we would greatly appreciate that too. If you want to follow us on Twitter, hit us up with some questions, uh, anything to do with DFS season long, anything uh, you want to talk about, hey, even baseball. We still talk about that even though it's not baseball season. Uh, Vlad is at Rotogut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T, Rotogut if you're Jeff Erickson for the pronunciation. Uh, I am at Scott Jensted. Jensted is J-E-N. S-T-A-D. Uh, Vlad's usually a lot nicer than me on Twitter, so you maybe want to ask him the question first and then come to me second. But uh, I'm totally kidding. We'll both answer anything you want. <laughs> but uh, hope everybody has a great DFS weekend. Hopefully we'll hit some big winners. Uh, if we uh, if we help you out with some plays and you hit a big winner, definitely uh, definitely just shoot a screenshot. I'd love, to see, uh, I'd love to see some people winning. So other than that, hope everybody has a great week and take care.